Because I want to talk with you today about the law of confession. You know, there's, uh, there's certain principles that we find in the Word of God. And we, we call them a law. And the reason that we call them a law is because they work every time. You know, they, and they work for anybody that will employ or put to work those truths of their, those principles. That's why it's called, that's why it's called a law. And uh, so, I remember Brother Hagen sharing, and Brother Hagen talked about his faith and so forth, and how people would come up to him and say, you know, <clears throat> it's different for you, you know, because you have, you have great faith. Brother Hagen always made the same statement. He says, you know, we all were given the measure of faith. When we were born again, each and every one of us were given the measure of faith. You know, some of your translations say a measure of faith. I believe the accurate translation is the measure of faith. Because if it were a measure of faith, that would indicate that God could be a respecter of persons. That would mean he could give you one measure of faith and you another measure of faith. But he gives us the measure of faith. And Brother Hagen always says, the difference between me and you is that I've done something with my measure of faith. And what that means is faith is a law or a principle that we find in the Word of God and that law, that principle, works for every one of us. If we will employ, if we will operate in that principle, it'll work in our lives. And sometimes we get discouraged because we think, well, I guess it, it just doesn't work for me. Yes, it does. It works for all of us. And so what I want to talk with you tonight, or today, I don't plan on preaching that long, so <clears throat> nobody has to faint. Uh, although I do have a lot of time. But, uh, but the thing that I want us to see is that those principles work for us in our life. And when we take those principles and we employ them in our lives, we're going to experience victory. And I believe that one of the main reasons why so many miss it is because of what they, a false belief, wrong believing, and wrong speaking. You know, the words that you speak direct your life. They determine the path that you're going to take in life. I heard a preacher say this one time, if you don't like what you see in your life today, um, change what you're saying. Because what we have today is a direct result of the words that we spoke yesterday. So we need to guard, we need to um, watch our confession. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Beck, you still feel that anointing on you that was on you earlier? I think you do, so go over and lay your hands on Landon. Yes. Pastor Becky spoke over you earlier, but I want it to be on you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I believe it's done our faith that way.
everybody that agrees says, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you know, and uh, we've made reference to it a little bit in, in recent days about the importance of, importance of confession. And, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when we were, I was practicing singing with the, the group, we got grouping around a little bit and, and uh, we got talking about a little old song that we used to sing in nursing homes when we'd take our kids into the nursing home and sing to them and stuff. And it was by uh, Kenneth Copeland. Of course, we, we determined we wouldn't put you through it. You know, <clears throat> but, but in the song, it, it talks about I'm a covenant man. And you know, in, in those early days when we were first born again and filled with the Spirit, you know, there wasn't um, word churches around. and We were so hungry for the Word of God. But you know, there was, there was something that, that was taking place in the kingdom of God is that, that most of the scriptures or most of the songs that we sang were scripture. They were, they were based totally on scripture and they were, they, they, they were a confession. And you know, it wasn't as... Uh, um, dramatic and as professional as we see music today. But it was, it was music that, that got down in our hearts because it was, it, was, it was the Word of God. It was based on the Word. And you know, it's, it's so important for us to get back to that point where we, we realize that our lives are sustained by the Word of God. Amen. The Word is, is not a choice. The Word is not something that we give attention to periodically. It's, it's our life. And so <clears throat> confession is part of that. Confession, saying what the Word of God says about us. Because, you know, if we can't say it, we'll never believe it. If we can't speak it out of our mouths, we'll never believe it. If we can't declare that by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed, we'll never believe it. If we can't declare that I believe that my needs are met according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, we'll never, we'll never be able to believe it because our heart and our mouth, they line up with one another. You know, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth spoke, speaks. And so really, our, our, our mouth is what our mouth is what gives us away. The words that come out of our mouth. You know, what we say outside of church reveals what we really believe. What we say when we're, we're in a crowd of unbelievers is what really reveals what we really believe about our, ourselves and about what God has done for us. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Proverbs, the sixth chapter, and the second verse, just one verse. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Listen to this real closely. You are snared with the words of your lips. You are caught in the speech of your mouth. You're snared by the words of our lips. In other words, what we say will either bring us into bondage or it will release freedom in our lives. The words that we speak are so very important. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> for your farmers right now, you're tempted, and all the other farmers in the community would agree with you. <clears throat> well, it's getting really late in the season, you know, and if we don't get out there pretty soon and get our crops in, we're not going to get the, uh, the harvest that we're, we're going to need. And, and, and it, it's easy to get into that, that conversation. But, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Jacob. I think it was Jacob. Wasn't it Jacob who sold at a time of drought and received a bountiful harvest. And it was because he believed God. 
And he sowed in faith. And so I believe the farmers in this church sow in faith. And so maybe the seasons aren't operating exactly the way that they normally do. But you know what? The season isn't going to dictate the harvest. God is. Because our God is bigger. And we'll experience that bountiful harvest. And you see, first of all, you've got to believe that God wants to bless you. Whatever your vocation is, whatever your position is, you've got to believe that God wants to bless you. Because when you begin to believe it, you begin to speak it. And when you begin to speak it, you begin to see it. But you know what? So often we're snared because of circumstances around about us. We see it as, a, as an impossibility. And so we just allow the things around us to dictate to us and determine our life. To, to be free of bondage, we must think, believe, and speak in line with the Word of God. You see... You can't do that, though, unless you got the Word within you. You know, and, and you all know it. Romans 12, 2 says that we're to renew our minds by the Word of God. We're to change the way we think about things according to the Word of God. And you know, it's natural for us in our natural state to always think the worst. When we think the worst, we're going to begin to speak the worst. We begin to believe it, and then we wonder why certain things happen. We need to begin to think in line with the Word of God so that when circumstances arise in our life, we rise up against it in Jesus' name. But you know what? You can't, we can't do that if we've not gotten it deep down on the inside of us, in our heart, in our spirit, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what that means is that when we get it down within our heart, it's going to flow out of us. You know, it's not a matter of mechanically programming ourselves to just simply speak a certain way. It's to, it's to flow out of us because that's what we really believe. Now, this is what I believe about confession. You know, when we, <laughs> when we first got saved, we, we had scriptures written out and we had it taped up everywhere and, you know, so that we, we constantly had it before us. And, <clears throat> and really, the truth of the matter is a lot of the stuff that we were confessing, we really didn't believe. But we continue to confess it. What happened, it got down on the inside of us to where we began to believe the Word of God more than we believed the circumstances. Because believe it or not, circumstances are subject to change. But God's Word will never change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But circumstances are subject to change. So how are we going to get them to change? We're going to get them to change by our believing and by our speaking. But because we say to that circumstance, be thou moved, be thou cast into the sea. And we're not going to doubt it in a heart, but we're going to believe what the Word of God says. Words determine the way that we think. Words do. Words determine the way that we think, which determines the way that we feel. You know, we don't, we don't want to talk about feelings and so forth, but you know what? I don't know if you realize it or not, feelings are a reality. But words affect the way that we think, the way we think affect the way that we feel, and the way that we feel is going to determine the direction that we're going to go with in life. So it all comes back to the Word. 
And then it comes to what's, what's going to come out of our mouths. What are we going to speak? What are we going to say? You know, God, and y'all know we were created in his image, in his likeness. God created everything that we see with words. It wasn't some big boom someplace like people want to say. No, it was, it was, a, it was booming, but it was a booming voice. It said, light be and light was. It was God who spoke things into existence. And we have, that, we have that same authority within us to speak. Through our words, we create an environment around you, around ourselves. I mean, if you don't, if you don't believe that, <clears throat> just come home from work or whatever and, and talk ugly. And see what kind of an environment that it produces. Because it's going to produce an environment. But you know, it's also interesting when things aren't looking so good, when we begin to speak out nice things, how it begins to change our environment once again. And so just in that, we see how, we see how powerful words can be. You know, what we say to somebody else, what we speak over somebody else, has a has a tremendous impact upon their lives. You know, we, we see it all the time with athletics, you know, where, where coaches are out there trying to encourage and, and motivate people. And how do they do it? They do it with words. But you know, sometimes we see just the opposite taking place. They don't build them up, they tear them down. And as a result of the tearing down, they see themselves in a condition other than what's going to produce a victory. But you know, we do that in our everyday life. What are the words that come out of our mouth? I mean, what's in our heart? That's going to determine the direction that we have in life. And so we need to guard our mouths. We need to watch the words that come out of our mouths. There's... There's a prerequisite in order for the law of confession to work in our lives. Before the law of confession works in our life, we've got to believe it. Like I said earlier, I believe the greatest hindrances in the lives of believers is uh, Christians is what they believe and what they say. You know, because what we're saying indicates what we're really believing. We see in the scripture where Jesus spoke to his disciples and he talked to them about the problem that they had was that they didn't believe. And so in Matthew 17, we have the example of where Jesus had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration and he's met by a crowd. And there's a father there. And he's got a a son that's demon-possessed. And uh, so let's just start in, in Matthew 17 in the 14th verse. It says, And when they came down to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? <clears throat> now how many of you understand that that's not a compliment? to be called a faithless and a perverse generation. He's basically saying, how long am I going to have to put up with this stuff? You know, the reason that Jesus is saying this is because they've been, they've been with him. They've heard him share truths and principles with him, what they were going to be able to do and what they would do prior to this. 
He had sent his disciples out two by two to preach and to bring healing and deliverance into the lives of people. And they came back and they were, they were marveled. They marveled at what they, they saw. And Jesus said, don't get caught up in that. You know, there's certain things in the life of a believer that are, that are supposed to be obvious, that it's not supposed to be something that's out of the, out of the ordinary. Guess what? For you and I, to experience healing in our lives is not supposed to be out of, the or, out of the ordinary. That's supposed to be part of our life. And it isn't supposed to just simply be part of our lives when we have a, a large um, healing meeting of some sort. It's to be part of our everyday life. That's what I love about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truths and the principles that he's given to us. They're not some truths and principles that are supposed to be operating in our lives just periodically. It's for our everyday life. You know, that's one of my, the, the, my approaches to the Word of God. If it can't apply to my everyday life, of what benefit is it? I mean, a lot of it, there's a historical value, and, and I appreciate that. Because that, that historical value gives us a, uh, allows us to see God as he truly is. And part of having confidence in somebody is seeing God as he truly is. But you know, the other side of it is, if it doesn't apply to my life today, what am I supposed to do with it? You know, I feel... So sad for so many of the pastors that are out there because the gospel is just something that they have to deal with. Rather than seeing that the gospel is the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, and through the gospel, we have something that will literally change the lives of the world that we live in. It'll change the environment around about us. We try to do it with all sorts of secular things. But let me tell you something about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It'll bring change. It'll bring change into your life. It'll bring change into the life of your family. It'll bring change into your community, those around about you. When they see the goodness of God, there's nothing that this world has to offer that compares in any way, shape, or form with the goodness of God. And that goodness isn't something that we just experience a couple of times a year. It's a goodness that we encounter moment by moment every day of our lives. And so Jesus says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. And then he goes on and he says, Assuredly, I say unto you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and it will obey you. It's not that we've got to have what we think of being tremendous faith. He says that faith, that faith the size of the mustard seed, that faith that we were born again with, that faith is enough that we can speak to that demon and say, be gone in Jesus' name. But notice what we have to do. We have to say to it. We have to speak to it. 
you know, just to regress a little bit. Remember when Pastor Becky and I were first getting a hold of this authority thing, and we lived down in Southfield Drive, and I was working out at the hospital, I think at the time, either there or for Shriver, and Nicole, our oldest daughter, had this, this cough. And we were praying, it would it'd just wake her up at night. And we, we finally determined, well, <clears throat> we need to do something about it. And so she's coughing. And so we go into the bedroom and we kneel down to her and we cast that devil out of her. We go back to bed and we're laying in bed, and she's not coughing anymore. And so, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And all of a sudden, now you've got to understand my wife, she really doesn't like you to be, how do I say this rightly? Close to me when I'm sleeping. Close to her when she's messing around when I'm sleeping. You understand what I'm saying? And uh, so all of a sudden, I feel this warm body getting closer to me. And all of a sudden, she turns over, and she whispers in my ear, It's hope. And she whispers, where do demons go when you cast them out? <laughs> and I responded as the great head of the household that I am, I don't know. <laughs> and so we're laying there in fear and trepidation wondering where did that demon go? And all once she coughed and thought, we're okay, still there. <laughs> but you know, what is that? That's, that's a lack of understanding. It's a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of not taking and simply applying the Word of God. You see, we had confidence in the Word, but we hadn't grown to that point where we had confidence in God. You know, I, I was thinking about this. We're going to look at it in just a, few, a moment. We're going to look at um, Mark 11, 22 and 23. But in Mark eleven twenty-two, 22, it says, have faith in God. And I remember a few years ago, I preached a message. And the title of the message was, have faith in your faith. I don't know if any of you remember it. I hope you don't. Well, the title of the message was Have Faith in Your Faith. And the thought behind it was that we need to have faith in our faith that when we say it, it's going to take place. Well, let, let me tell you something. My faith is never to be in me. Because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Our faith always comes back to having complete confidence that God is true to his word. <clears throat> and whatever he declares in his word, and whatever he says belongs to us in his word, it belongs to me not because of my great faith, but because of my great Savior. Remember years back, T.L. Osborne was one of the great preachers, one of the great evangelists, missionaries. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. But he probably preached in more countries than any other human being. You know, because he went to the dark places. He went to the hard places. But he'd gone to this, I don't remember which country it was, but it was one of the countries in Africa. And it wasn't like it was a country that had never been evangelized or anything, but he, he had some meetings there. And after the meetings, he was invited to meet with the president of the country, who was a Christian. And he was sitting in the office of the president of this particular country. And, and this president said, you know, <clears throat> Dr. Osborne, we've had 
all the great preachers here. And he began to rattle them off, and he, used, he gave all the names of the great preachers. But he said, we've had all the great preachers here, but you, when they leave, we remembered their messages because they were so great. But with you, we remember the great Jesus. You see, I don't want to be remembered. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. About being a great preacher. I want people to remember the Jesus that I preach about. Because that's what's important. You see, what we're talking about here, faith is based upon believing upon a great Jesus. The one who died for our sins. The one who, who was whipped on the whipping post so that you and I, by his stripes, we might be healed. See, <clears throat> that isn't just a saying that we have. We believe it because Jesus was our substitute. He took our place. He took the beating. He took the stripes so that you and I wouldn't have to. He went to hell so that you and I wouldn't have to. And so we serve a great Jesus. What was the problem with these disciples? I believe they began to look at themselves. It's hard not to. It's hard when you've prayed for something and you've not seen yet the manifestation of it. It's hard not to sit back and start doing some self-examination and saying, what have I messed up? What have I missed? What should I have done differently? Rather than look at it from the standpoint, you know what? It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And I believe that Jesus when he died on that cross, when he was resurrected from the dead, it was for my justification. And I am justi justified, I am righteous, not because of anything that I've done. And the Bible says, <clears throat> let the righteous declare. We are the righteousness of God in Christ, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And as a righteous man, the prayers of a righteous man, it says in James. The prayers of a righteous man avails much. It says the prayers of a righteous man accomplishes much. I'm a righteous man. So my prayers accomplish much. But it's not because of my prayers. It's because of whom I pray to and through. And his name is Jesus. And my prayers accomplish much because of Jesus. And so when we get our eyes off of self, when we begin to look to Jesus, remember what the disciples said. They said, why couldn't we do it? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. What was their unbelief? Their unbelief was because they were looking at themselves. I don't know why I'm talking about Brother Hagin this morning, but I remember being down at one of his meetings one time in the prayer lines. He was praying for the sick, and it was in the Tulsa Auditorium, and so it was, it was full of people, and all three aisles were full of people coming forward to have him pray for him. And so Brother Hagin had some other guys uh, that were there, like Brother Copeland and, and Jerry Seville and um, um, or I don't know who all was there. Had them come up and line up. And so people would come forward and they were all praying for people. Well, you could see people switching lines because they wanted Brother Hagen to pray for them. And then finally, Brother Hagen, you know, he was getting pretty old. And so, you know, by the end of you know, praying for all those people after preaching and everything, he oftentimes would, 
He'd call somebody up. He would lay his hands upon them and he'd say, the, the anointing that is on me is on you. And he'd go and he'd leave and the other person would continue to pray. And it was an interesting thing. You'd see people get out of the line, go back and sit down. Why? Because Brother Hagin wasn't going to pray for them. Now, I'm not, this isn't a put down Brother Hagin. Let me tell you something. No man can heal you but the man Jesus Christ. And so our, our focus is never to be on the vessel. The focus is always to be on the anointing, which is Jesus. He's the one that brings healing. And so what happened to these individuals? They began to put them, their eyes on themselves. Why is it then when you feel this nudge that you ought to pray for somebody and you put it down. Why do you put it down? Because you look at yourself and you think, I could never pray for them. You know, all God needs is a vessel. The old Pentecostals used to put it this way. All God needs is a channel a channel for him to flow through. And you and I, we are that channel. We are that vessel that God wants to use to allow his anointing to flow through. You know, why, why did I have Pastor Becky go over and pray? Because I knew the anointing was on her. The anointing is on all of us. But there's certain times where that, that anointing, it's, it's like it's tangible. And we need to allow that anointing to flow through us so that God's will can be accomplished upon this earth. What's his will? It's right here. It's his will for the sick to be whole, for, the, for those that are in lack to have plenty, for the hungry to be fed in every area of life. But he's the answer. He's the source. He's the one that we look to. And he says, I'll promise. I promise I'll never, I'll never forsake you. Listen to this in, in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the first verse. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Therefore, be imitators of God, copy him, and follow his example. As well-beloved children imitate their father. <clears throat> you ever notice this about little kids? You see it with little boys in particular, that they, they copy their dads. Why? Because it's what they want to be. It's who they want to be. Remember when Isaac was little, he would, Bruce would be working on, his dad, Pastor Bruce, would be working on a car and Isaac would be laying right there, you know, pretending he was working on the car because that's what his daddy was doing. He wanted to be like his daddy. So one year for, I think it was Christmas, we'd given Isaac this tool set. And so he was, we were there for somebody's birthday or something down at Wangler's. And, and he had his stuff out and it was all over the floor and he was going to go get something else out. And Nicole says, Isaac, you don't get any more toys out until you put these away. It ticked him off. He stood up in the middle of the room and he says, Guys! Guys! These are not toys. These are tools. <laughs> the reason he knew they were tools 
because he's watched his dad work with the tools. Guys, this is not a toy. This is a tool. It's a tool that God has given us so that we can make that which is wrong right. So that we can make that which is hurting whole. So that we can bring life in a hopeless, dying world. And it comes through Jesus. Now Jesus is a person. I don't like to use the term tool in reference to Jesus. But in the sense, we use that name that's above every other name because we believe in what that name represents. And that name represents our Lord and Savior Jesus who suffered and died so that we might live, so that you and I, that we might have life, that we might have it not just simply abundantly, but that we might have it more abundantly. We find it in and through Jesus. Now, I don't want to be a liar, so we need to go to Mark, the 11th chapter. And a lot of people start in the 23rd verse, but I think the key to the whole er portion of Scripture is verse 22. Mark eleven twenty two, and it says, And so Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. You know, we, we, we make it, we make it so complicated. You know, and there's things we take and we break down in, in order to to study it, to preach it. You know, after almost 37 years in the same church, you got to break things down a little bit so you can share it a little bit differently from time to time. But you know what it really all boils down to? Having faith in God. Having faith that our God is a good God, that he's a loving God. You know, through the faith movement, people said, well, our God is a faith God. No, our God operates by faith, but our God is a love God. To define God is to define Love. Any definition of love leaving God out is an incomplete definition of love because God is love. Have faith in God. But you know what? So often the hindrances, we've got a wrong image of God. Many people have this concept of God, but you just never know about God. He might heal you, he might not heal you, he might provide for you, he might not provide for you. You just never know about God. We need to know God so that our faith is directed in the right direction. Well, I don't know why God bring such tragedy upon the earth. You know, it, it's, it's got to be right because all the insurance companies say so. You know, anything they can't describe, it's an act of God. Well, let me tell you something. My God is not a God of destruction. It's the thief. It's come but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life 
and that you might have it more abundantly. That's the God we serve. That's the God that we need to know. That's the God that we have faith in. It's not based on circumstances in our life. It's based on the God that we know. He's a God of love. He loves you and he loves me. He wants only the best for you. He wants only the best for me. And pastor, why do some of these things happen? I don't know. All I know is what I do know. What I know is that God loves each and every one of us unconditionally. That he wants victory, he wants wholeness, he wants blessing in each and every one of our lives. There's stuff that happens. I don't understand it. But you know what? I'm going to stand on what I understand. <laughs> Does that make any sense? And I understand that my God is good. I'm going to do what he directs us to do. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. But notice where we've got to believe it. We've got to believe it in our heart. We've got to believe it in our, in our spirit. You know, if there's any work, you know, it tells in Hebrews that we're to labor to enter into the rest. And rest comes by faith. Rest comes by knowing that my, my God is bigger than any circumstance that I deal with in life. My God is bigger. And so my labor then is to enter into the rest. And how I enter into the rest is by faith, knowing, knowing that I can trust my Jesus. Knowing that he'll never leave me or forsake me. Knowing that no matter how impossible the situation and the circumstances may appear to be, I can still trust my Jesus in the midst of it. Mark 9, 23, it says, Jesus said this, if you can believe all things are possible, all things are possible to him who believes. I'm a believer. You know, that's where I haven't lost sight of the topic, the message. That's where, that's where it begins. It begins as we, we declare it. You know, I... <clears throat> <laughs> I, I know y'all think I'm weird. You're pretty much right. You know, but you know, I, I, in, in recent years, I've shared a lot about my born-again experience. And I've thought about that. You know, is it because I'm getting older and I'm about ready to cross over to the other side. Or, but you know that, that account over the years has become dearer and dearer and dearer to me. The other night I was up at prison in Fort Dodge and I started to share it. And the moment that I got out basement of Vern Lewis's house, I saw guys as Smiles go on their face because they think, here it comes. But you know what, it isn't. You, you think, Pastor, I've heard it. Pastor, how many times do we have to hear it? 
But you know what? <clears throat> the majority of the time, it isn't for you. See, you come to church, I, I come to church too. And you know, I, I believe that God directs things during the service that minister to each and every one of us. Amen? I mean, God can, if we're, if we're open to Him, He'll speak things to our heart. I've had people come up to me after the service and they say, Pastor, oh, Pastor, thank you for that message. I, that, was, that was just for me today. Thank you. And they share with me what they heard. And I'm thinking, where were you? That has, I, I, I didn't preach any of that. That's what they heard. Because from my mouth to their earballs, the Holy Ghost was able to take it and give them exactly what they needed to hear that morning. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. But you know what? He does the same thing for me. I hear stuff on Sunday morning that I need to hear. Why? Because I'm not just a preacher. I'm a saint. I need the Word of God just as much as anybody else needs the Word of God. And as long as I'm in the anointing, I might as well hear for myself. Amen. That's the God we serve. And He wants to do good unto you. And He says, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. All things. Do you realize that's one of the most powerful terms that you'll find in the scriptures? When he says all things, that nothing will impossible be impossible to you and I. One last scripture before we close in Matthew 12th chapter, 34th verse. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees are coming around and he says, brood of vipers, <clears throat> in case you don't understand, that wasn't a compliment either. How can you, being evil, speak good things? Why? Why are we so shocked? Why are we so surprised when the world speaks worldly? Why are we so surprised when we go to a secular movie and the language is so horrendous that it grieves our soul, it grieves our spirit. <clears throat> Why would we expect anything different? <clears throat> Why is it when we hear the world talk the way the world talks, we think, why does the world talk that way? Because it's worldly. The question is, why do we allow the worldliness of the world affect how we talk? How do we allow the world to bring the negative attitude into our lives, the hopelessness? You know, <clears throat> faith comes by hearing, as it says in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Guess what? Doubt comes by hearing. Let me tell you what doubt is. Doubt is faith in the world. Doubt is having greater faith in the circumstances than having faith in what God says about the circumstances. And so he says to the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
Write things in, write things out. Wrong things in, wrong things out. Man, isn't that simple? Wish it were. But that's how it operates. Let's get the right things on the inside of us so that the right things come out. So that we not be guilty of lining ourselves up with the world, the flesh, or the devil. But we make a determination that we're going to line ourselves up with God. Jesus, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. We walk in victory with confidence and assurance that whatever God has promised to us, we're going to see the manifestation of it. Not because of me, not because of you, but because of who Jesus is. That's where we put our trust. And so, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Why? Because of what Jesus has done in each of our lives. Amen? And amen. So, Father, we thank you for the victory that is ours through Christ Jesus. That we are not just simply conquerors, we're more than conquerors through the completed works of Jesus. And Father, we want your will to be manifest in each of our lives so that we can demonstrate to this lost, dying, and hopeless world what a wonderful Savior we have. So Father, bless us, strengthen us, open our hearts and minds to be able to speak, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, for this community that we live in, we pray that the veil of darkness that has blinded their minds from the truth and the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ would be lifted in Jesus' name, that they might see, that they might hear the truth, for we know it's that truth that'll set them free. For, Father, that's why we're here is to do your bidding, that your will might be accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his love, go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Just one, one moment, I want everybody to remain seated for just a second here. Um, Donna has a presentation to make. Oh, Bill was last year. So, <clears throat> we, we want to have somebody leave crowned in glory? You know who you are, Barb? Winner, 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 chicken dinner. <laughs> and so you have to put it on. I would have probably won, but I was out the first week. Yeah. <laughs> when, when your winner loses their first game, you're generally in trouble. Now, I'm going to take this opportunity to let everybody know this week, Blessman International, it's a, um, you can look it up online, and I'm going to leave my card in the back, and uh, if anybody needs to ask questions, and it's one of the missions that our church sponsors. And I can't thank you enough. Our main focus is uh, vulnerable and orphaned children in South Africa. And we do a lot of great stuff with Heidi Wells and, and a lot of church sponsors in Iowa and actually across the United States. And so um, we're having like a hand bid and it's online and we have over 50 items of all kinds of stuff, entertainment, like uh, dinners, uh, sporting events, 
even Hawkeye stuff. Oh. <laughs> so I'm gonna leave my card back there, but uh, uh, look up Blessman International and check out that hand bid. Um, you can you can bid on items all the time, clear to like seven o'clock on Thursday. Um, and our goal, praise God, is set at a half a million dollars on Thursday. And we believe that we've claimed it, we've set out our angels, and we found the devil. So we are going to make it on Thursday. Amen. And we're doing really well. So, yay. Yeah. And thank you guys for sponsoring. And thank you, Villanova. <laughs> First person I've ever seen continue wearing it with pride. You're blessed. Go in peace in Jesus' name. Amen.